live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, Season 4, Episode 3. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by former U.S. Developmental Academy Western Conference Best 11 performer for the Sacramento Republic Academy, three-time Big West All-Conference Team selection for Cal State Northridge, and the Vancouver Whitecaps second round pick in this year's MLS Super Draft, Giovanni Aguilar. Gio, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to, happy to be here. Happy to have you, man. So before we dive into your soccer career, let's get to know a little bit about you off the field, all right? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So when you aren't on the pitch, how do you like to spend your free time? Um, usually just with uh, family and friends, um, you know, just hanging around. I, I'd say I'm, I'm really, really close with my family um, and friends, and, and I like to enjoy my time with them. Um, also, you know, play video games as a probably a lot of people do on their off time, but yeah, things like that. I love the outdoors too, um, going on, you know, little walks here and there. And yeah, it's basically what I do. When I ask you guys the question, what you like to do in your free time, a lot of times I get play video games. I mean, I'm a gamer too. <laughs> I just talked to Tristan Traeger out of the air force Academy last week. And he said that, you know, he's a big time gamer too. And he likes to play <laughs> Warzone and Fortnite. What do you play? <laughs> uh mostly uh yeah i play warzone call of duty and uh fifa a lot of fifa um you know i play pro clubs yeah i don't know if you know what pro clubs is it's a yeah it's like a team with all the friends and and some family it's it's a lot of fun yeah <laughs> yeah i accidentally pressed purchase for fifa 22 last weekend so i now own it. <laughs> i'm not playing with vancouver it's though. a fun game oh yeah of course man we'll have to i'll have to catch your gamer tag and you'll have to give me the word <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So if you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what song would you choose and why? I'm a big, uh, I'm a big rap fan. Um, I know uh, recently, um, like my old locker room at uh, Cal State Northridge, we play a lot of uh, Pop Smoke. <laughs> I don't know if you know Pop Smoke out of New York. Uh, he has a really famous song called uh, Dior that we just got like hooked instantly when it dropped and uh, played all the time, like going into the locker room, going, going out, warming up on the field, that song would be playing. So I'd say, I'd say that one is still one of my favorite songs. So who was your biggest inspiration growing up? Uh, biggest inspiration? Uh, I'd say definitely my parents. Um, yeah. I don't know if you mean by um, like maybe a soccer player or just overall somebody. Um, we can do overall and a soccer player. Okay. Well, overall, definitely, definitely parents. Um, they just, you know, they, they have done so much for me, um, helping me out and in this whole journey, um, you know, growing up, um, I kind of lived, uh, a good 40, 40 to 60 miles away from the nearest, you know, like competitive club. Um, and so, you know, when I was, maybe 10, 10 to my teenage years till when I could start driving by myself. Um, they would, you know, work their jobs eight to five, you know, like that. And, and instantly, um, you know, after work, they'd, uh, you know, just pick me up from, from home and take me straight to practice. And, you know, that far drive, we'd get back home late. We just, you know, repeat that, you know, three times a week. And 
you know, they definitely sacrificed a lot for me and, and they're definitely my inspiration. Yeah, that's a word I talked to Tristan Traeger about last week as well. Uh, the word sacrifice. And that's something that all mm -hmm. parents that are putting their kids through competitive sports have to do. They have to sacrifice their time, their resources, their love, all of that. So that that's really mm -hmm. cool. And that's been a common theme throughout this mini series for the Super Draft. But who was your biggest inspiration growing up on the soccer field? Oof, inspiration growing up. Um, let's see, growing up, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big Neymar fan. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, you know. Doesn't even play my position. Uh, inspiration wise, I I honestly say Neymar. He's just I I think especially because uh, I don't know if you saw on Netflix, um, he has a new documentary that just came out like yesterday, but. He's always been a, a big inspiration. Like he, he just his, uh, he's like his own creative, uh, you know, person. He, he likes to do things his way. Um, definitely uh, to me, at least, I think, you know, nobody else in the world plays like him. And, and he's just so, he's just amazing to watch. And just as a, well, as a kid, um, mainly as a teen growing up and watching him play, just like you look at him and you're like, wow, like how does he even do all these things? Like how, you know, He's a, he's a crazy skilled footballer. And, and I'd say that's an inspiration of just like, you know, um, having like some sort of identity on the pitch. Yeah. That's so important about soccer is finding your identity and expressing yourself on the pitch. And even though mm -hmm. he doesn't play the same position as you, I've seen your highlights mm -hmm. and, and you have some, some flair to your game. You may, <laughs> you may have you. taken that from, from Neymar and speaking of Neymar when he's <laughs> when he's on his feet he's one of the best players of all time yeah that's when he's on his feet yeah. but we won't we won't go <laughs> we won't go too far into that uh, what would you title your autobiography Gio my autobiography um it sounds a little corny but I'd say like you know like a uh, small town or you know small town big dreams uh something like that I come from a really small like community um it's like maybe 5,000 people in my little city, kind of north of Sacramento. Um, you know, not a lot of people, um, you know, I'm grateful for all the, all the opportunities I've had because not a lot of people from my area, um, you know, get these opportunities. So definitely blessed uh, um, to have all these opportunities. And, and yeah. From that small town north of Sacramento, basically to LA, to Cal State Northridge, and now yeah. to Vancouver, you're going everywhere on the West Coast, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely, big, yeah. definitely big dreams for you. So on January 11th, you were selected 49th overall in the second round by the Vancouver Whitecaps, but we'll get into that day later on in the episode. Let's go back to where it all started for you, Gio. Why soccer? What made you fall in love with the beautiful game? Honestly, it was, uh, it was kind of something I was like born into, you know, um, my, basically my entire family plays uh, soccer. I don't, I don't really have any family that plays any other sport. Um, you know, even to this day, my, my parents, they play a co-ed indoor, like over, over 40 league and indoor, um, you know, as a kid, I'd, I'd go watch my father play. My mother would actually play occasionally, and, um, have a bunch of uncles and cousins who, who play as well. And, um, I think it was kind of like born into it. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, basically I'd say it's in my blood. I'd say <laughs> never really thought of playing any other sport and I really haven't played any other sport, but yeah. That's really cool. You mentioned your parents playing over 40 league. I'm only 28 and man, I can't wait to play over 30s. <laughs> I got some college kids on my indoor team and I just passed them the ball now and they do their thing. <laughs> yeah. 
really, really cool. So you were born into it, you stuck with it and, you know, look where it's taking you now. But mm -hmm. there's been a lot of steps in between you falling in love with the game and where you are now. Walk us through mm -hmm. your story uh, from the time that you started playing soccer, the time that you fell in love with it, to the time you committed to Cal State Northridge. Yeah, so um, I started off, um, you know, I guess I'll start from... <laughs> when I was really young, you know, started playing around uh, four or five years at, you know, the local um, rec league, you know, um, starting to get introduced to it. Uh, my father would actually, you know, train me here and there, um, like at the nearby parks when I was little. Uh, that's always like a memory I have. He'd like set up cones for me to dribble around. But um, yeah, I definitely started with the, like the rec leagues. And, um, you know, uh, I think my father, you know, I, I commend him a lot for, for like helping me, you know, he always wanted to see me develop as a footballer. Um, and he, once he saw me, you know, kind of falling in love with it, even as a kid, he, he wanted to, you know, give, um, take me another step above wreck. And we signed up for like the local competitive team. Um, and after about two, three years there, um, you know, I, I guess as a, as a young, as a young kid, I was, uh, I was a pretty good player and, and the only, like I said earlier, the the uh, only like really competitive, um, probably higher level clubs in the area were about 40 miles away. Um, and so, you know, like I said, they uh, they sacrificed a lot to take me all the way out there, um, you know, weekends and weekdays. And um, after that, you know, I played club up until I'd say uh, my U16, U17 um, years. And then I remember uh, Sacramento Republic, they, uh, they started their, uh, they started up their academy. Um, I remember getting an email from, uh, uh, one of the like academy directors. They're like, Oh, you know, we saw you at a local tournament. Um, you know, just reaching out was, uh, wondering if maybe you'd like to come out to tryouts, um, for the academy. And it was like, it was a really cool feeling. Cause, um, you know, I, I used to, like I said, I just played club really. And, and there wasn't a, a local academy. That's definitely a, a good step above uh, competitive soccer. And, you know, it was kind of a scary feeling. Um, you know, I, I thought I was up for it, but it was scary because, you know, th that's a different level. At the time, I thought it was like, well, academy, that's a, you know, it's a huge level. And so, yeah, I went to the tryouts and, uh, you know, performed well and, and I earned my spot. And uh, from there, I think at, at the academy is where um, I had a coach, two coaches, actually, Ben Zemer um, and Simon Elliott. And they're, they're uh, I'd say those were the most like influential coaches I've had in terms of my youth career, because um, it was at that point where, you know, they kind of they kind of saw they how would I say this, they they like made everybody notice the potential we had to become pros in every training session, every game had like that professional mentality. And I didn't really have that anywhere else. Um, so when I got to Academy, um, definitely it, it like switched to like professional mentality. And, and that's where I really started to take football a lot more serious. Yeah. Did you find the jump from your local team club ball to the Academy difficult or did you fit right in immediately and match to that level? No, it was definitely, for me, it was a, a bit difficult, honestly. Um, just like speed of play, it's like I said, Ben Zemer, um, definitely um, just really good. Like he, he teaches me all the tactics and positioning because, you know, sometimes in club soccer, you know, you have good players, but they're kind of like all over the place, you know, 
these players, you know, flashy guys, but, you know, like I said, he, he really implemented that like professional mentality of uh, positioning, tactical awareness and, and really helped me grow as a footballer. And so, yeah, that step for, for, I'd say for a couple months, I was, you know, having to adjust, but uh, after I got adjusted, I think, uh, you know, that's where I started to take off. Definitely. And you were pretty successful for Sacramento Republic Academy. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Um, as, as a whole, though, I, I, I remember our inaugural year, you know, our first year in academy, um, we made it to to the, the elite eight or the final eight of the, the playoffs. And that was that was huge. You know, it was our, you know, bunch of local guys um, first years in academy and to make it all the way to the final eight was huge. And in our first season, it, it's actually funny because we uh, ended up playing Vancouver Whitecaps in that in that uh, like quarterfinal <laughs> came to Vancouver. I remember playing them, um, you know, ironic, funny, but uh, yeah. yeah definitely. Very ironic. Things are kind of coming full circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So you, you had your success for Sacramento Republic's Academy after playing all that club ball. And then you got an offer from Cal State Northridge. Why did you choose Cal State Northridge? Uh, I'd say the reason I chose Northridge was um, just because the previous year, um, you know, they had won the Big West, uh, Big West title and, you know, they got their spot in the NCAA. Um, but, you know, the local, there was local schools like Sac State and UC Davis that um, me and my academy teammates would go watch them here and there, you know, occasionally. And I remember one time I, uh, you know, it was, I think, Sac State versus Northridge at Sac State. Um, and I just, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was really fun watching them play. Um, I loved the way they played and, and ultimately it was, it was, uh, kind of like their prior success that kind of persuaded me to go there. Um, yeah, I think after I actually took a gap year after, um, like my first year in Academy, I remember I was supposed to commit actually to uh, San Jose state after that first year in Academy. Um, and I think that, you know, for whatever reason, it kind of fell, you know, fell out and then just decided to stay another year um, with the academy and take like one or two classes at the local like community college. And yeah, that in that year, my gap year with the academy, that was when um, things even started getting a little better for me because I would uh, occasionally train with the first team here and there. Um, and that helped me a lot, like transitioning into um, college. Yeah. That's a huge decision for a kid just coming out of high school. You have an offer on the table and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take a year off, continue to develop with the, the mm -hmm. academy. You know, that's, that's a huge decision to make. And it seemed to paid off pretty well for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you you talked about Cal State Northridge's success. 15 Matadors before you've been drafted by an MLS club since a super draft was created in 1996. When you decided to commit to Cal State Northridge, did you do this with the idea of going pro and did their previous success of developing pros influence this decision? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I think I'd say almost every, if not, you know, most of college players that, you know, and going to um, program and division one, even division two, you know, have those dreams of becoming a professional. Um, and yeah, I'd say, I'd say they're, you know, their past success and as well as uh, having, you know, like you said, guys get drafted, uh, definitely persuaded me. Um, yeah, I'd say it did. 
So while you were there, in what ways did the program and your storied head coach, Terry Davila, if I said that correctly, mm -hmm. help you prepare to become a pro? I think he, one thing I, I really, you know, truly learned at, at Northridge and it helped me out even to this day is that I, just to be, uh, you know, mentally strong, um, just uh, in terms of, you know, when the body and, and, you know, the lungs, the body's tired, just, just uh, push through it mentally, you know, and that's, that's, that can go with like a lot of people or, uh, you know, would say that's uh, kind of a little bit rough on teenagers, uh, you know, just pushing them, but it, it wasn't anything like that, like a, like a hard pusher. It was uh, something that I definitely um, would say I, I learned at Northridge was, you know, your, your mentality can, can push you in times where your body might be tired and stuff. So, yeah. So you set career highs and goals and points in your senior season on your way to earning first team all Big West honors for the first time in your career. What attributed to your uptick in offensive production, specifically the goal scoring in that senior season? Yeah, that, that, that was definitely, uh, it, was a, it was a little shock um, and, and cool at the same time that I, I scored, you know, scored goals and, and helped with assists that year. Um, Cause I'm used to like my first three years, I was kind of, I was kind of more of that like deep playmakers, mostly six, like holding mid ball winning and deep playmaker. And then like uh, that shift into the senior year, uh, I played more of like a, I wouldn't say like free role, but I just played higher up the pitch, like a, a eight. Um, and yeah, I think I think something just shifted in in my mind. You know, senior season, uh, just got to give it your all. You know, as as probably most seniors going into the last season in college would uh, have that mentality. Just you know, you have to leave it all on the pitch. It's your last your last chance to to do something here. You know, so yeah. So in addition to showing out on your senior year, which obviously every senior in high school and college wants to do, did you mm. feel any sort of pressure to produce at a higher level offensively? the year before possibly going pro? Um, honestly, I, I wasn't worried about the, the output in terms of, uh, you know, having to score and assist. Um, I would say like before preseason, I knew, especially because that COVID year, um, the Big West and where I played, we, we were like, I think the only league, maybe the Ivy League as well, to like not play a single match like the whole year. In August, no matches were played. Um, well, you know, other leagues in the country kept playing. And, and then when we finally got back, um, a lot of the older guys that were, you know, around my age, they, uh, you know, just decided to just pursue their, their academic careers. Um, and so I think me and I'd say one or two other players were, were the oldest on the team um, this past season. And I kind of I took a, a more leadership approach to the season. Um, and just try to help um, all the younger guys adapt and grow. Um, I think, I don't think it was a uh, pressure. It was more, um, you know, trying to help the, the team um, just be one, you know, help them adapt and stuff like that. Cause we had a lot of young guys. Yeah. So what was your favorite? We'll start with goal. What was your favorite goal at Cal state Northridge? <laughs> definitely, definitely the, um, an overtime uh, winning goal against Portland. Um, yeah, it was it was a rough point in the season. Uh, I think that with that win, we like uh, we stopped like a seven game losing streak. Um, it was a tough tough part of the season, but um, 
you know, I, I scored a scored a goal in overtime uh, to beat Portland at home, you know, in front of the fans, and and it was it was a really special moment. Yeah, one that I'll definitely remember forever. Yeah, the technique in which you hit that ball was chef, <laughs> chef's kiss, man. Chef's kiss. What was Thank your favorite? You. If if that wasn't your favorite moment in your collegiate career, what was? Uh, that's definitely top top two, <laughs> but um, one I one I really always uh, talk about when uh, I meet with like old teammates is um, my junior year. I believe we we went to UCLA, um, and we ended up beating them two one at UCLA, um, and you know, uh, not to sound cocky or anything. Uh, you know, but it was, you know, you're used to thinking UCLA, you know, uh, possession and, and uh, dominating teams. But that game, I think, you know, I think just the fact that we knew we were playing like a crosstown rival and we knew it was, you know, UCLA had that big name. We, we went out with no fear and, and I'd say we, we were definitely the better team deserved to win that, that night. And uh, it was really fun. We, we had a bunch of our fans there as well at their home and, I, just, I remember this, uh, like the last, I'd say, minute of the game. Um, you can hear the crowd. Um, sounded like it was our home field, just chanting like, see, son, see, son. It, it sounded like we were at home. That, that, and, you know, beating, yeah, beating UCLA at their home was definitely a, a fun night. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm sure you will remember that memory forever. And every time you guys get back with each other, your old teammates, it'll be a story you guys talk about. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Very cool. Listeners, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors, Added Time Outfitters. Stick around because after the break, we will be discussing Gio's draft day emotions, his experience at Whitecaps preseason so far, and so much more. We'll be back in 60 seconds. We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Moments like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtic's 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever. Those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? At a time, Outfitters creates soccer-inspired wristbands to let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each added time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addedtime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters. Welcome back to MLS Gone Wild, Season 4, Episode 3, featuring the Vancouver Whitecaps' second-round pick, Giovanni Aguilar. Head over to Added Time Outfitters' website for all your soccer-inspired wristbands and apparel. Use code GONEWILD, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Gio, let's talk draft day, man. What were you doing? <laughs> Who were you with? And what were your emotions when you found out you were drafted 49th overall in the MLS Super Draft by the Vancouver Whitecaps? Uh, it was it was definitely one of the most special days in my life. Um, I was around uh, my family, uh, my mother, my father, and my my two brothers at home. Um, yeah, definitely lots of emotions. 
um, yeah, a lot of happy, yeah, definitely happy tears. And yeah, it was, it was really special being there with my family. Definitely. Yeah. Those stories uh, are so, yeah. those stories are awesome <laughs> to hear, man. Yeah, I know. I remember, um, <laughs> it was funny on draft day. Um, you know how, uh, on round two, it, it gets kind of, uh, the stream stops and it gets shifted to like the tracker. I remember, uh, the tracker online, like froze. Uh, like at the 44th pick yeah Colorado's pick it froze I remember I was yeah yeah (laughs) it froze and I was just there like oh my god what what's going on like what if my name's called I wouldn't even know you know and then ultimately uh I think I ended up getting a call from my my agent he's like oh I I think I think you got drafted by Vancouver 49th pick he's like yeah it's not refreshing but but I think I think they, you got drafted by Vancouver. And I was like, oh shoot, really? And then, and then I, I don't know, I, I checked my phone and um, like to confirm it, I saw Vancouver Whitecaps followed you on Twitter. And I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, it was Vancouver. It was, it was, yeah, it was definitely a crazy, uh, but cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So Tristan Traeger and you, I believe are, are both, your agency is uh, Pat the Pro mm-hmm. Soccer. And he kind of mm-hmm. found out the same exact way his screen froze it wasn't updating and he just got a notification on his phone atlanta united has drafted you and very same thing just happened to you in vancouver <laughs> it's it's not the way you ideally want it to go but yeah. it's a surprise nonetheless <laughs> yeah it was it was definitely a surprise <laughs> nerves had to have been setting in after you didn't get selected first round in the draft and top drawer soccer's mock draft they projected you being drafted by the la galaxy with i believe the 14th pick and MLS, uh, the MLSsoccer.com, Matt Doyle had you as like the number three center mid on the draft board as well. What were your expectations heading into the draft and what was going through your head as each pick passed by? No, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, nice to see that like recognition um, on those like mock drafts and stuff. But I, I honestly didn't try to think too much of it um, just because, you know, mock drafts, it's like people – people kind of uh, guessing where you're going to get picked and stuff. So I didn't really try to think too much of it. Um, I just knew, you know, whatever team picked me, you know, that that was it. Cause you know, a lot of guys find out like right when they get picked, they find out who, what team drafted them. But um, yeah, it was, like I said, it was, it was a special, special moment. Yeah. Did you have a team that you wanted to go to? You probably shouldn't answer that question. Did you have any kind of expectations <laughs> on where you might go? Um, honestly, no, not at all. Um, I, there were like some rumors about like, cause I guess earthquakes is like the, the more local MLS team towards where I'm from, you know, NorCal, but, um, like I, like I said, didn't really think too much of it. And, and yeah, like it was, like I said, it was just a, a surprise and, um, to get drafted by Vancouver. Cause you know, you don't know what, until the moment, you know, your name is, is getting, uh, called up to get drafted. So. It's definitely unique, and so is your entire situation. So, and I really am not too familiar with this kind of situation. So ahead of the MLS draft, you signed a contract with your hometown USL club, Sacramento Republic. Then you got drafted by the Vancouver Whitecaps less than a month later. And obviously you can't be in two places at once. What's going on here? Where can we expect to see you year one of your professional career? (laughs) So, yeah, it was – interesting definitely interesting situation with me um just you know after after season uh, republic reached out um their their general manager todd reached out and you know 
they'd, they'd been, uh, you know, keeping, you know, track of my progress and looking at me throughout my whole collegiate career. And um, there were times in the summer, um, uh, early in my college career where I'd uh, go back and train with the first team actually. Um, and no, it was, it was really definitely, um, that was definitely a dream come true to, you know, get signed to the club, you know, you kind of grew up your, your developmental years playing with. Um, and then, you know, later on, um, ended up being drafted and, you know, it was really, it was really nice that, um, you know, Republic, they were, they were open. They were, they were like, you know, we want to support you, um, in, in whatever path that, you know, may come. And obviously it was a drafted path. Um, and they were just, like I said, really, really open, um, good communication. Um, and, and yeah, so right now I'm currently obviously in Vancouver, I think, uh, we start, well, Republic starts preseason, um, this coming Monday, actually. And, uh, you know, I'm here in Vancouver, but, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how things go here and, and see where I end up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into the white caps talk then you've been in Vancouver. I don't know how long you've been there, but preseason is a little over a week long at this point. And before we dive into mm. what preseason has been like for you, let's talk a little bit about the players and the coaches that are in camp with you. Mm. Who is the, who's the biggest prankster on the team? If you've experienced <laughs> any of that so far. <laughs> prankster. Let me think. No, I definitely, I definitely want to start off by saying like, um, just straight away since like the, the, moment I stepped foot in the in the facilities around the team and staff it's like one of the most welcoming environments I've ever been in like everybody's just really cool and and you know there are any questions you have ask anybody they'll answer it like literally one of the most welcoming environments I've, I've ever been in like in my life um in terms of prankster <laughs> I'd say uh Jesus this is tough maybe uh flow flow uh the center back flow <laughs> he's he's funny he's a, i'd say he's a prankster <laughs> has he targeted you with any of his pranks not yet not me but I, i've seen a couple pranks and uh you know just fun locker room stuff hey yeah, man really you're nice. a rookie it's coming yeah yeah i'm expecting it i'm expecting it soon enough <laughs> so you talked about them being a very welcoming organization from the front office to the training staff to the players have there been any veteran players that have stepped up and brought you under their wing? And if so, who? Honestly, I'd say, uh, you know, I'd say really everybody, even, even the, I'd say the, the guys younger than me and, and, and with homegrown contracts have been like, you know, showing me around, but in terms of veteran players, I'd say um, one that I kind of um, spoken to most is uh, Toss uh, Ricketts. He's definitely somebody that, that has, you know, kind of helped me um, adjust with pointers, tips, um, not only off the field, but, you know, on and off the field. Um, yeah. Since you've been there in preseason, who is the toughest player to defend? Ooh, toughest player. Definitely, definitely uh, Ryan Gold. Definitely. Oh, yeah. He's, God, he came class. onto the MLS scene last year and just broke out, man. Class player. He's, he is he is class that's a class player right there yeah <laughs> who is the fittest player oh definitely Cappy. um uh, russell definitely 
Who's the fastest player? Ooh, a lot of fast players. Ooh, it's it's you, right? <laughs> I wish. I wish I could say that. <laughs> um, uh, one that just just one random player that sticks out. Uh, Raposo, definitely Ryan Raposo. He's he's quick. He's whoa. He's a quick player. So be careful how you respond to this one. Describe yeah. Vanny Sartini in three words. Intelligent, teacher, motivator. He came onto the scene last year as the interim coach, and he was one of the most entertaining coaches that MLS has ever had. So outspoken. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the week, week and a half I've been, uh, you know, around him and the staff, like, yeah, just like the three words. He's, he's uh, definitely one, already one of the uh, more, more notable coaches I've had that loves to teach, you know, loves to teach players, um, you know, positionally, tactically. Um, yeah, he's, it, it's just um, things on the field just become so clear once you talk to him um, in terms of all that stuff. Um, I said motivator because I would describe him as a, you know, like a player's coach, somebody who's, who's really close to all his players. And, um, you know, you can see that, you know, when we enter the pitch, he's, you know, friendly with everybody, talking with everybody, asking everybody how they're doing, how they're feeling. Um, great guy. Great guy. Yeah. He's pretty energetic, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Really energetic. He's yeah. You got to love it though. Got to love it. Can it yeah. be tough to match his energy? <laughs> no honestly no because because he like like I said the the team the locker room environment is is like you know week one and a half it's already like I, I see it family like family environment um and that definitely shows on the pitch as well you know with with the staff and the players on the pitch it's it's like it's a family definitely that's awesome to hear man for your yeah. first week and a half of preseason there so in regards to how you and the other draft picks are doing so far in preseason, Whitecaps head coach, like I said, Vanny Sartini said, and I quote, they're actually doing pretty well. How do you think your preseason is going so far? And can you walk us through a day in the life of a rookie in preseason? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think I've, I've been adjusting well, um, as well as all the other uh, draft picks. I think as a whole, um, you know, we've been, we've been getting down and adjusting to, you know, definitely um, at this next level in MLS, um, definitely more in depth in terms of tax tactics, positioning, all that stuff is, is a lot more in depth than at the college level. Um, and that's something that, that I think we've all been adjusting well to, um, of course, in the speed of play, you know, um, a lot of these guys have <laughs> been playing, you know, professional for way more than, than we have. Uh, oh, our first season of course but you know they've been playing professional a lot of years and and you know right away the speed of play really really high level um you know fast smart intelligent players and, and just uh you know adjusting to that has been has been really good so what's a day in the life like at vancouver whitecaps preseason training <laughs> yeah um you know wake up um wake up go to the facilities in the morning um, you know, have breakfast with the team, have recovery with the team. Um, around around ten o'clock, ten thirty, we we go to the pitch, um, have the training session, 
Um, and depending, depending on which day it is, we'll either have, you know, a gym session after the training or we'll have a, like an afternoon run. Um, and the afternoon run is so cool. It's like, uh, just, just cause Vancouver is such a beautiful city, the afternoon run, like the scenery is just amazing. You know, you don't, you, you don't get bored in these runs cause, uh, you know, all the scenery around the areas is, is really beautiful. Yeah. And then after, after that, uh, head back a little bit more recovery um lunch with the team um and and yeah and now you're back at your hotel doing your first ever mls podcast yeah <laughs> yeah very cool yes <laughs> very cool so since you have been at preseason what has the team been focusing on and have the staff focused on any key points of improvement for your game specifically mm -hmm. um yeah uh i think a, a good focus we've we've been uh one good thing we've been doing and focusing in training is uh like our pressing and positioning when when to press where to be at when we press you know it's really important um and like i said just that that adjusting period of, of knowing where to be where to run you know who to press uh, definitely um you know been getting pointers and and, and help from the whole coaching staff and players um so i think that's definitely a part that that they've been helping with. What sort of feedback have you been receiving from Vanny Sartini and the rest of the Whitecaps coaching staff? Feedback? No, I, I think it's been, it's been really positive in terms of feedback. I'd say just, just like I said, the adjusting, the adjusting period has been going well. So the times where I'm, I'm in good spots, good positions uh, to press, good positions to block um, passing lanes, good positions to receive the ball. You know, he definitely, he always tells me good, you know, good, Gio, you're in a good spot, good spot right there, right there. Um, definitely encourages you and, and, you know, hearing that from a coach saying that, you know, you're in good spots and, and you know, he sees that you're getting the tactics down is, is a good feeling. So, yeah. Have you had any meetings with the coaching staff? And if so, what have those talks been about? Um, not too many meetings individually. Um, there's been, you know, meetings as a team. Um, just, you know, game plans and, and strategies and stuff like that. But, you know, hopefully I, I get a, a good indiv individual meeting soon. <laughs> I hope so too, man. So to give the Whitecaps fans an idea of what kind of player you are, can you tell us a little bit about your style of play, your strengths on both sides of the ball, and at which position within the midfield you see yourself playing? Yeah, um, I'd say one of my one of my biggest strengths are uh, – Definitely my my ball winning ability. Uh, I'd say I'm a really gritty, grindy player who, you know, isn't afraid to to get into a hard tackle. Who isn't afraid to to win the ball. You know, uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I, I really do, you know, on the on the defensive end. Uh, every time I I win a ball off of an attack or something, I get like this really good feeling, like that rush of energy. You know, um, so yeah, I'd say I'm really gritty, gritty and 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 ball seeking off the ball, but. Um, attacking wise, I'd say I'm a, I'm a pretty calm and composed player that, um, you know, looks for just the correct pass to play. Um, I'd say I'm a, I'm a pretty good, uh, deep lying playmaker who can pick out a pass and I can also play, you know, high and, and, and help the attack a bit, but I'd also say I'm versatile. Um, you know, I can play basically, uh, six, eight. I've occasionally played the 10, um, and I've also played center back, you know, but, Definitely, definitely wherever, wherever um, the team needs me, wherever, you know, Vanny sees me playing, wherever, wherever that is, um, you know, 
have no problem playing the position, any position to help the team in any way I can. Yeah. Have they identified maybe where they might see you, like the deep lying playmaker at the six and the box um, box eight? Yeah, I mean, uh, in trainings, I've been just transitioning between, yeah, six, eight mainly, the six, eight meaning. But yeah, like I said, uh, I'd say I'm pretty versatile and, and, you know, whatever position they need me in, you know, willing to do that for the team, definitely. So we talk about style of play, your strengths and your position. Something we talked about earlier in the podcast at your time with CSUN was you developing that mentality to push through mm-hmm. fatigue and whatnot. Other than that, how would you describe your mentality as you approach a game and end game? Um, as I approach the game, um, just no, no fear. That's something I learned um, definitely towards like my, my senior year in, in, in college because you know, I remember my, my freshman, sophomore, junior year, I'd, I'd get, I'd get, you know, crazy butterflies before playing, um, you know, that nervous feeling before games. But just, I think I had a, a really like a shift in my mentality going into my senior year that, that even I, I, I have it now in, in trainings is just to play with, with no fear, um, you know, go out there and earn, earn anything you can, you can earn and, and just play with no fear, you know? Yeah. No fear. Have you gotten in any hard tackles since you've been at preseason? <laughs> uh, I'd say so. Um, you know, some, some, uh, some a little bit too hard, some not. But, <laughs> but no, it's, I've definitely, I've, I, at least for the first couple of weeks, you know, you don't want to go in there flying and, and tackling like crazy. You know, I don't want to injure anybody. But, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a really competitive environment. So sometimes a tackle here and there is, might be necessary. <laughs> I was getting ready to bring up the word competitive. And one of the press conferences I saw yesterday preparing for this podcast was Danny Sartini talking about how he fosters that competitive environment mm-hmm. in training. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, just something, something that I think a lot of well, the whole team um, really, really shows that competitive, competitive spirit. Um, I think, I'd say, you know, no one on the team wants to lose, whether it be like a mini game, a rondo, a mini game, uh, a full field game. It's it's definitely like really high level competitive, you know, and it's competitive to, you know, a certain point where, you know, nobody's nobody's, uh, you know, fighting and, and tackling just to tackle. And because, you know, at times that, you know, things can get heated. And I know definitely like in college and in my time there, there can be times where like competitive gets a little bit too overboard and, you know, gets a little wild, but no, definitely here. It's, it's like that, that really good high level competitiveness that, you know, nobody wants to lose. Everybody wants to win. Yeah. What are your expectations and goals for your rookie year? Yeah, definitely. um, You know, being in preseason, definitely earning that uh, MLS contract is definitely uh, one of my highest goals there. And also, also, uh, you know, maintaining that contract and, and having, having a chance just to learn from, learn from everybody on the team, um, whether it be in my position or not, uh, grow as a player and, and hopefully just, you know, earn some minutes if, if possible. And, and yeah. So what's next for the Vancouver Whitecaps? You guys are currently in Vancouver, just doing your training. You guys head to San Diego next. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, leave to San Diego, February 5th, I believe. Uh, we have like four, four preseason games out there for like an 11 day span and then come back, uh, train for another week and get ready for, the first MLS game yeah that's awesome man going back home to play a couple preseason games and hopefully earn an MLS contract 
Yeah, yeah. Exciting times. Super exciting times. Talk yeah, about really things blessed. going full circle, man. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts you want to share with Vancouver Whitecaps fans that may be listening to this podcast? Yeah, just know that that this is a super exciting year of football ahead. Um, you know, from the inside, I can say that that the team looks looks amazing, looks competitive, looks sharp. Um, yeah, everything everything seems seems really good here, and and I think we have wonderful staff, coaches, players that can can really lead this team to success. Um, super excited to be here. Uh, and yeah, like I said, hopefully, hopefully you guys get to see me on the pitch uh, sometime. But once I earn my, that contract and yeah, really excited. Gio, go be great, man. Go earn that MLS contract. <laughs> we can't wait to see you in a white caps uniform. I'm fostering that right now. <laughs> thank you. Of course, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining the MLS Gone Wilds podcast. No, thank you for having me. Great time. <laughs> Listeners, thanks for tuning in to Season 4, Episode 3 of MLS Gone Wild, featuring the Vancouver Whitecaps' second-round pick in this year's MLS Super Draft, Giovanni Aguilar. Be on the lookout for another episode over the weekend, breaking down the U.S. men's national team's World Cup qualifier versus El Salvador. I cannot wait for that one. Until then, y'all take care of yourselves and one another. Thanks again for listening. Peace.